Well, good morning. So good to see everyone here this morning uh, as we get an opportunity just to give God praise. And I'm just so thankful for all that God has done and what he's doing uh, as we just look and we see so many uh, faces and, and hearts that God is blessing. And I uh, thank you for being here this morning with us. I see several uh, family members and guests. We're so thankful to have you with us so that we can share God's love with you because that's what the Bible talks about. God is love, amen? And we get an opportunity to do that today, to just love on somebody. So make sure you do that uh, as we continue in our service and after our service. But we, we get an also a time here to just think about this season that we're in, this week that we're in, this season of Thanksgiving. And, and I would challenge you that it's not just a season, but it's an everyday thing that God wants us to be thankful. Would you agree? But we get a special time during this week. I actually got on the scale the other day, and I think I started a little early. Yeah, you know, I picked up a few pounds, uh, and so I, um, I'm, I'm watchful. But uh, at the same time, we know that we're going to have a wonderful time being with family and friends, thanking God, because Thanksgiving is for us to thank him, to give him praise. Would you agree? Uh, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, I want to start by thanking God for all that he's done, bringing us to this very point, uh, to get us into the new building. God, had, timing was always perfect and always right. He knew that this was the right timing. He knew that it was going to take 314 weeks you know, and that we were going to stay faithful and that we just continue to hold on to him and trust him uh, so that we can uh, so that we can be in fellowship and be partaking with Christ all of God's goodness. Would you agree? And so now we get to just also thank God for uh, for last week, our very first service here. Um, we had uh, our precious family, Pastor Sam and Merida come in. Uh, and they, I want you to know that they sent a note that will be shared with you of just them thanking God for uh, the blessing that they received of being here with us. Uh, and they treasure that deeply, and they wanted you to know how thankful that they are. I also want to thank God for all the hands that labored and gave to get us to this point. And i give you a good example. Uh, this past week, I think last week, I was uh, in the side with Sam and Merida, so I didn't hear the sound kind of crackling during that first couple of sessions. I just heard it when it was all good. I'm like, what are everybody talking about? Uh, but we had uh, just the faithful uh, continue to press through this week. Uh, Bobby spent many days here. Juan Hoyt came in. And they just labored over the system to make sure uh, that it was ready for us today. And we just thank God for them and for God and their servant heart to just pour out to us. Uh, and so we want to just also just take that time to reflect on that today. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Today's title of the message is, I Will Give Thanks. I Will Give Thanks. Did you hear the song titled, Give Thanks? For all he has done, how good he's been. That that's a challenge to each and every one of us to give thanks. Because I don't know about you, there's been times in my life that I haven't done that. That I've been a grumbling, bumbling. Anybody ever been there? That we didn't give thanks when we should. And so I think it's important that we spend some time and we talk about it. And we truly understand what it means to give thanks. And so if we look at that word thanksgiving, it means to praise God to praise him, to lift him up. And so as I was seeking the Lord this last week, and, and, uh, and he brought me to a pretty unusual passage of Scripture when it comes to you're having Thanksgiving week, you're having Sunday, and he sent me to Psalms, the 42nd chapter. And the Scripture reference today is verse 5. And so we're going to see some things today that just going to remind us of the importance of giving thanks. 
to praise God for all he has done. For he is worthy of our praise. And as you're turning to Psalms, the 42nd chapter, verse 5, I just want to share a little bit with you. Because see, in the Bible, the meaning of thanksgiving reflects our adoration, our sacrifice, our praise, and our offering to God. See, thanksgiving was a grateful language to God as an act of worship. See, we worship God without thanksgiving. Rarely, if ever, was thanksgiving intended to be given to any person or thing except God. I truly think about the meaning of thanksgiving as being focusing on relationships. See, not our relationship so much with one another, but with our relationship between God and man. That we would think about that relationship. That we would meditate on that relationship. See, upon the arrival of the pilgrims of Plymouth Rock, they composed what was called the Mayflower Compact. So they wrote out this letter, and it was a pact of honoring God for all that he has done. See, if you think about that a little bit and you, and you reflect on the story, 102 men and women and children left their homeland to travel to this new land. But only 56 arrived. Only 56 made it. And they wrote a letter. They said, this is what we stand on, that we will give God thanks, that we will praise his holy name. See, Thanksgiving also begins with acknowledging that God is faithful. And that we can earnestly give him thanks in advance for his abundant blessings. See, here's what Paul said in the Philippians 4, 6. He says, in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. See, thanksgiving is an attitude of the heart that reinforces an intimate relationship with God. See, do we have a heart of gratitude? Do we have a heart of thanksgiving? So now let's look at that verse in Psalms 42, verse 5. It says this, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we ask you to speak to our hearts in a mighty way. Lord, let us hear from you. Prick our hearts. Transform our mind. Renew us, Father. And let us receive of you this day. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. So it's important that I give you a little bit of backstory when it comes to this particular chapter or passage. What you'll see at the beginning of the passage in most Bibles, it says, to the chief musician, Maschel, for the sons of Korah. It's important that we focus and we think about what that means, the sons of Korah. And so as we look back in the history of the Bible and we see this in the book of Numbers, we remember the story of the Israelites crying out to God when they were in bondage in Egypt. And they were crying out to God, wanting to be free. And even as we see Moses coming in, he, he would constantly tell Pharaoh that God said, let my people go. You remember that? And so there came a time in, uh, when God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. They were left out of Egypt, Egypt, and they immediately went into the wilderness. And so they were journeying in the wilderness. And so often, this is an illustration of us crying out to God to set us free from something. But we wanted to be on our own terms. We wanted to look like we wanted to look. And so when they were brought into the wilderness, that's probably not what they expected. So they probably didn't expect that the promised land was going to be that they needed to journey through the wilderness. And so there was a man called Korah. And Korah was the cousin, the first cousin of Moses. He was also the great-grandson of Levi. And we know that the, the Levites became the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood of the 
the nation of Israel. And so Korah, in his unthankfulness, in his grumbleness, he decided that he wanted to be in charge, that he didn't agree with how Moses was running things. And so he gathered 250 men that were of statue, that had uh, some substance within the nation of Israel, and they went to Moses and Aaron. And so they rebelled against what Moses and Aaron, what God had called them to do. They even used words like, we are holy and so are all the people. What right do you have to speak to us? And so we see in the scriptures that after they had said several things, God, Moses took it before the Lord and the Lord had a response. And so we're going to look at that real quickly so we can get a kind of a a backdrop of what's happening here. That's going to be in the book of Numbers, the 26th chapter. The book of Numbers, the 26th chapter, starting at the ninth verse. And so you're going to see in the ninth verse, it talks about sons. And there are two key ones that it's important that we, that we stop at. And so as you're reading there, I'm going to go through that real quick. And the sons of Elop, Nemuel, and Dathan, and Abiram. This is that Datham and Abram. Abram, those are the two that I really want you to focus on because Korah had these two leaders kind of connect with him. And so they were the most important or powerful of, those, of all the 250. It was these three. So let's continue on. Which were famous in the congregation who strove against, strove against Moses and against Aaron in the company of Korah when they strove against the Lord. Do you see that there? In other words, they fought against. They rebelled against the Lord. And so there was a great thing that happened once the Lord was not pleased with their response. Look at verse 10. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah. And when that company died, what time the fire devoured 250 men and they became a sign. So all those that re- rebelled either were swallowed up by the ground, the three families, and then the 250 men were consumed by fire. Who do you think did that? That was God, right? Now look at verse 11. Notwithstanding, the children of Korah died not. So for some reason, God spared the children of Korah. For some reason, God allowed not Korah's entire generation because of his rebellion to be destroyed. And so now we have the sons of Korah living amongst the Israelites, and they're hearing certain things. They're hearing responses like, where is your God? They're having to live amongst the people that are probably looking at them saying, there's something wrong with you and your family because your father did this thing. And so now there we see in the book of Psalms, there's this writing that's coming from the sons of Korah. And they write these words, why art thou cast down? You think they may have had some things to be cast down about? Because I know we can kind of identify with this a little bit because one of the things they told me about coming to Louisiana is there's two questions they're going to ask you. They're going to ask you one question, do you know how to make a root and who your people be? Yeah, (laughs) who your people be? And so our name means things. It carries with us. And I can imagine the sons of Korah when people found out that their father was the one who had done this. They're living amongst the people. And they're having to carry this with them everywhere they go. I know this is a strange thing to think about in the message of Thanksgiving. But see, it's important to understand that Thanksgiving is a condition of the heart, 
not our circumstances. And so we see here that they're crying out. The first things that they say, and let's just backtrack a little bit and look at verse 1 and 2, because verse 1 and 2 speaks to fellowship. Are we in fellowship with God? Are we allowing that relationship to be more important than any other relationship? That he is our sustaining power. That he is the one that keeps us. As the scriptures say, in him we move and breathe and have our being. See, they began to say, as the heart panted after the water brooks, so panted my soul after thee, O God. See, can you imagine a, a deer? See, that word heart means a deer. And they're either running to the water for thirst or they're running from someone for, from fear. And so he's making this illustration of not sure where the deer is or where we're at, are we running to God or are we running from? And so he goes on to say, just as a deer pants after the water book, so panted my soul after thee, that my heart's desire, my, wild, my mind, will, and emotions thirst for God. But so often the situations and circumstances in our life can cause us to miss the very water that God has for us. He goes on to say, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? It's important that we understand what he's talking about there. See, he's not talking about ordinances or rules. He says, my soul thirsts for the living God. I want a relationship with him. I want to feel his presence. I want him to know that he's with me, that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. I want to be in the presence of God day by day. So he's saying that, 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 that he's gotten this feel of ordinances, of, doing, of all the things he should be doing and shouldn't be doing, of all the rules and the laws. And, and, and as we see in the scriptures, they get so insurmountable that we can't really handle all of them. You ever felt like that? See, the difference is when we seek and thirst after God, the living God, the rules and the ordinances fall into place. The order gets right in line with God's will and God's plan and his purpose as we seek him. As we trust him and lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him, he directs our path. And the ordinances become easy because it becomes a part of who we are, because we desire to please him. So he's saying, I'm seeking for the living God. I'm hungering for relationship, not the rules. I'm hungering for him to be first in my life. And all these other things shall be added unto but there's a thing that keeps us from that. He talks about it in the next couple of verses. He says, my tears have been my meat day and night. You ever been there? Where you had just so much tears and anguish that it seemed like that's what you were eating off of? That that's what was keeping you? See, he said, I've been there. And I've allowed that to be my focus point. I've allowed that to be the thing that I hold on to. See, he's talking about the sorrow of this world and how there can be sorrow in all of our lives. And if we focus on, those, on that sorrow, if we focus on those things, it will become who we are. It will be a sorrowful state. He says, my tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? You know, there's always going to be somebody that's going to question, where is God in your life? And that can be a good thing, but it also is a negative. And even times you would question that. See, God doesn't want us to question it. He wants us to know without a shadow of a doubt that he's with us. That he has a plan and purpose for each and every one of us. He went on to say, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. See, what is he remembering? He's remembering the hard times. He's remembering the difficult times. For I had gone with the multitude. He said, I used to go. 
but sorrow got in the way. Sorrow became the thing that I held on to, the trials and the tribulations in my life. That became my fixed point. He went on to say, I went with them. See, I used to go with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day, that kept the time and the season that we're in right now, that remembered him. He said, I used to do that. I used to be excited about going to God's house. I used to be excited about being in fellowship with him, but sorrow got in the way. And it became my meat day and night. See, I remember sitting in a tub one time with water up to my neck. I felt like the world was falling down all around me. And all I could do is just tears were running down my eyes. And I remembered I'm focusing on all the wrong things. Focusing on things that I can't control. And I wasn't focusing on the one who controls it all. And so he says this. He asks himself a question. Why art thou cast? Why are you having a pity party, Jeff? Why are you allowing things that are temporary in this world to feel like it's eternal in you? Why are you cast down? He goes on to say, oh, my soul. See, those troubles that we go through, if we're not careful, they can get in our soul. They can get in our mind, will, and emotions. They can get down deep in our heart. That's why it's important that we do something with it. God tells us to cast down those imaginations, to bring it into captivity with the word of God. And allow ourselves to be found true in him. So he asks himself that question, oh my soul, why art thou disquieted in me? You ever felt like it's just a raging storm going on inside of you? You ever felt like you just couldn't shut your mind off from thinking about things that are just negative? Thinking about who's talking about me? Why are they doing this to me? And God is saying, let him See, Jesus got up out of that boat when the storm was raging and everything was going around, and they said, Jesus, don't you care about us? And he raised up, and he said, peace, be still. And the storm stopped raging. But I believe that was more, for, more so for the people than it was the storm, that he's telling us allow him to quiet the storm in us, allow him to be our reminder day by day. He goes on to say, hope thou in God. Let your hope be in God. Let your holding on be in him. Don't let anything else deter you from holding on and trusting in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his consciousness. And that word I will praise him means I will give him thanks. I will be thankful unto God. Because if it wasn't for him, where would I be? And as we give thanks and as something happens in the spirit, as we give thanks, the window to God just becomes a little bit clearer. It opens up a little bit more. That now we're able to see him. That's what it talks about, the continents. That seeing the face of God. If you want to see the face of God, give thanks. If you want to be in his presence, praise his holy name. Let your attitude be an attitude of gratitude. And what happens is you'll start seeing more and more of God working in and through your life. So often we can't see him because we're focused on the wrong thing. So often we can't see him because we're not looking to him. We're looking to our own abilities, our own ways. It's so important that we resist the temptation to do it ourselves and allow him to do it for us. See, here's I want to give you three points of thanksgiving that should, should just really bless your soul. See, thanksgiving allows us first and foremost, to fully operate in God through the Trinity, 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The typical pattern of thanksgiving in the New Testament is that God the Father is the object of our thanksgiving. That we make him the object of our praise. When anything comes in and anything goes out, we give him thanks. When we look at his situation, even through the hard times, I've said it before that Al Green said, if I never had a test or trial, I wouldn't know that God could solve it. So even when we have the test of trials, we can give him thanks. Because God has a divine plan to work in and through us, to move us from faith to faith, glory to glory. In other words, that means to grow our faith, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know of the hope of his calling in us, and that we go through that trial knowing that he's strengthening us, he's sustaining us, he's keeping us, he's building our faith and trust in him. See, look what Colossians 3, verse 16 and 17 says. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. See, we allow the Spirit to, of God to operate in us, the Holy Spirit to move in us. See, we don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, John tells us, the Holy Spirit has been given to guide us, to comfort us, to lead us into all spiritual truth. And so the Spirit wants to sing within us with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatsoever you do, see, we see there the Spirit. We see singing thanksgiving to God who is worthy of thanks. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Because it's because of him we're able. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ, here's the reality of it. We would all be dead and destroyed. But because of Christ, we have access to the Father, and we can praise his holy name, giving thanks to God the Father through him, through Jesus. See, he opened up the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't have a way to the Father. You are separated from God. He loves you. He created you, but you are separated from him because he is holy and righteous. And the Bible says, be ye holy, for I am holy. And we look in the book of Genesis, after God had created, he said it was what? It was good. In our society today, we can say so many things are bad and negative and wrong. And that's true. There are a lot of things that's not right with our world. But the things God created are good. We don't throw out the the baby with the bathwater, right? We don't throw out what God created because things ain't going the way we think they should go. Look what 1 Timothy 4.4 reminds us of. It says, everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So we can look at our homes, our finances, and we can be pretty negative about those things. Our situation, God said he created, and it's good, and we should be thankful. We can look at this world, and we can, and we can do, be all negative about it, but how about if we give thanks? Can you imagine those 56 men, women, and children that came to this land, and over 90 Native Americans came with them in that first harvest and sat with them and gave thanks? I'm pretty sure they didn't have what we have. I'm pretty sure they didn't have all the luxuries and the and the comforts that we have. I'm sure they didn't have AC in Louisiana in the 1600s. Can I get a witness? You'd be pretty old if you give me a <laughs> But they gave thanks. 
they were thankful for what God had given them. They didn't call it negative. Unfortunately, a couple of weeks ago, I had the uh, pleasure of being able to connect with a family. Pleasure. Not, that wasn't the unfortunate part of being able to connect with. But the little boy was about 10 years old, and he was grumbling. He had a little, he, he, he pouted, he put his hands over his chest, and he didn't really want to talk to me. And, uh, and his mom said, well, he's mad because he didn't get what he wanted. He didn't get, I, I couldn't afford to get him all the snacks that he wanted. He got something to eat, he just didn't get what he wanted. And, you know, the hairs on the back of my neck started rising up a little bit. And I just remember just looking at him and I said, young man, it's important that you be thankful for what you have. Because that attitude that you're displaying, that action that you're taking can become a habit. And that habit can become a lifestyle. And that lifestyle of unthankfulness can lead you down to destruction. I don't know if he received everything that day, but there's so much of that in our world today. Of being unthankful, not being appreciative of what God has done for us. Not being appreciative for the people, the places, and the things. See, we need to also be thankful for one another. We're not perfect. We got cracks. We got things going on. But God created all of us in his image, in his likeness. And even those ones that we may not feel comfortable being around, God created them too. And so many are the not yet body of believers. They just haven't accepted yet. But God wants to draw them as well. By his sweet, sweet spirit, he wants to draw and so as we're thankful and we're showing that we're thankful for what God has done in our life, it ministers to someone else. It ministers God's grace and his mercy and his love. And we get an opportunity to share that with somebody. See, Paul also teaches that creation is good and should be received with thanksgiving because it, because it is made holy through the word of God and prayer and that it was created by God. This last one, I'd really want to just read, want us to really think about this one. We have an opportunity to give thanksgiving because it allows us to replace sin. Place sin. See, when Paul commands believers to stop sinning, he also commands believers to put thanksgiving in place of it. Look at Ephesians 5.4. Here's what Ephesians 5.4 says. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. See, when we are thankful to the one who is worthy of our thanks, our thoughts are on him and not on sin. See, we replace it. When we're thankful, when we're, giving, when we're thinking and meditating on God's goodness and his grace, we can't think and meditate on those other things. When we're having an attitude of gratitude, we can't think about deception and all those other things. We'll replace it. See, sin gets replaced. But when we're unthankful, unappreciative, we don't have an attitude of gratitude, then sin becomes prevalent. Then we're trying to do other things than what God wants us to do. We're reaching for the world. We're reaching for copper instead of the gold that God has for us. See, Desiring God, a commentary on Desiring God says it this way. The key to unlocking a heart of gratitude and overcoming bitterness and ugliness and disrespect and violence is a strong belief in God the creator and sustainer and provider and hope giver. If we do not believe we are deeply indebted to God for all we have or hope to have, then the very spring of gratitude has gone dry. See, that spring of gratitude is not filling us. It's not pouring us. So we start seeking for other things to fill that void. And we replace it with violence and ugliness 
and things that just don't matter. See, Thanksgiving leads us to the cross, that we would come to God with an attitude of thanksgiving, to say, God, I can't do it for myself. I need you. God, I know that you are bigger than my situation. I know you are bigger than my natural hunger because my soul thirsts for thee. I will give you thanks. The way we were able to give God thanks the very first time is receiving that gift. He's given us the gift of Jesus Christ who died on that cross for my sins and your sins. And he's looking at each and every man and woman and child on this earth and he's saying, are you going to be thankful? So all you have to do is receive it. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the one who's done it all. Is that you? Has he done it all for you? Are you thankful? Can we give him some thanks and praise today because he's worthy of that? I will give thanks.